Welcome to Conversations with the Marketplace, brought to you by the passionate practitioner consultants of Warbird Consulting Partners. Our conversations with the marketplace are designed to provide access to innovative and entrepreneurial financial leaders from across the country. We hope that by listening to their experiences, you might take away a few items that can shorten the learning curve, be easily implemented, and facilitate financial improvement at your organization. Our goal is to educate, entertain, offer new perspectives, and inspire you to take action. Without further delay, welcome to the conversation. Welcome to this special masterclass presentation brought to you by Warbird's Financial Advisory and Debt Management Practice. My name is Doug Venstermaker, and I welcome you to this masterclass conversation with the marketplace. We want to thank you for trusting us with your most valuable resource, your time. Our goal is to provide you with access to innovative and entrepreneurial financial leaders from across the country. It is our hope that by listening to their experiences, you might take away a few items that you can immediately incorporate, thereby shortening the learning curve, easing implementation, and facilitating financial improvement. Our team at Warburg Financial Advisory and Debt Management is comprised of expert and passionate practitioners, each with decades of experience performing every function within the financial management of hospitals. This allows us to relate and empathize with the concerns, opportunities, and frustrations experienced by members of your team and the staff at the hospital. Likewise, our financial advisory and debt management team has worked with hospitals of every type and size. This enables us to customize solutions that fit your culture, your situation, and your customers. One of the benefits of working with hospitals from across the country is meeting passionate people who are committed to providing the best advice, counsel, and strategies to healthcare organizations to ensure their financial viability. I am thrilled to speak with such a person today, Marcy Lash. Marcy has been a vice president and municipal credit analyst at T. Rowe Price since 1998, focusing exclusively on not-for-profit hospitals and systems. She is currently responsible as well for $4.8 billion in assets under management comprised of 150 separate healthcare credits across the rating spectrum. From 2015 through 2017, she has served as a co-chair of T. Rowe Price's Money Market Credit Policy Committee. And from 1992 through 1998, she was the Assistant Vice President of Underwriting at Connelly Insurance Company a municipal bond insurer that insured healthcare and higher education bonds. Prior to joining Connie Lee, Marcy was an analyst at Lehman Brothers Corporate Finance Division, where she worked on public debt and equity offerings, private placements, mergers and acquisitions, leverage buyouts, and other similar transactions. Marcy has a BA in economics from Cornell University. I thought it would be helpful for Marcy to share her industry insights the issues faced by hospitals in light of the pandemic, and suggestions she might have to improve your financial viability. Welcome, Marcy. Let's start, please, by asking you to describe the importance of building a long-term trust relationship with both the hospital or system and the lead financial executive there and why this is important. Sure. Thank you, Doug. 
I see ourselves as long-term partners with all of the institutions in which we invest. T. Rowe Price, uh, similar to many of our other counterparts on the buy side, are not quick bond flippers. We're not looking for the quick buck, but we're generally long-term buy and hold investors. We generally buy 30-year bonds, and we intend to hold them either until maturity or until they're called in most situations. So we really see ourselves as having our goals aligned with those of the hospitals in which we invest. We'd like to see them succeed operationally and financially so that our investment can provide a good return to our investors. And the hospital wants to succeed operationally and financially so you can continue to provide quality healthcare services to your community. So in other words, when you succeed, we succeed. You know, along those lines, I urge you to keep communications open with us. I urge you to take our phone calls. I know that hospital CFOs can be very busy, and sometimes you might not want to be bothered by all those pesky investors. But sometimes it can be just a very quick piece of information we need. We might need clarification on a specific number. Sometimes we want to talk to you to hear about your take on your market, your competition, your payer environment, and just in general what's going on with your credit so that we can more fully understand your situation. The more we understand your particular circumstances, the better investors we become, and the more comfortable we become investing in your bonds. And most likely, you'll be back in the market at some point. And all other things being equal, we're more likely to participate in bond issues where we've had a really good experience with management in the past. So from my perspective, it's really a win-win situation for us to develop, to develop this long-term partnership with you. Thanks, Marcy. I'm going to follow that question up a little bit, please, with the following. So based on your experiences over the years, would you please give us maybe one or two examples of the best kinds of these relationships and how you work with the CFO or lead financial executive or other members of the hospital's team? And, and please talk about how you think hospital finance executives should view their role with bondholders, particularly institutional bondholders. Sure. So I have a great example. Many years ago, we had invested in a hospital system. I believe it was triple B rated at the time, and it had negative outlooks by the rating agencies. They had experienced sizable operating losses. They had dwindling cash. We were very concerned about the trajectory of their financial position. And they had recently hired a new CFO who had a wealth of turnaround experience in the hospital sector. We made uh, contact with the CFO and wound up setting up a full-day site visit where we met with the CFO, the CEO, the COO. We met with their auditors. We met with members of their board, and we met with the turnaround consultants that they had engaged. And through the course of this day, we were given a very, very detailed discussion of what the problems were an outline of the individual turnaround initiatives that management intended to implement with the dollar amounts and specific timing of each of these initiatives, it became clear to us that the issues the system was facing were really those of processes and procedures, things that could be cleaned up, you know, as opposed to more fundamental issues, you know, increasing competition in the market or changes in the demographics or the economy or the payer mix were things that would have been largely out of management's control. We really got a good understanding that management had a grasp on the issues. They had clear and what seemed to be achievable targets to address those issues. 
And we came away from that day feeling very comfortable despite the fact of negative outlooks on the rating. And because of this comfort with management and their outline plans, we actually invested more. And over a period of time, over many years, we invested, we continued to invest in this hospital system. They were able to meet or exceed all of the targets they had outlined for us. They'd experienced several rating upgrades by all rating agencies. And that hospital system is now AA minus rated. It has become a core holding in several of our mutual funds. And without that initial contact and conversation, and just the trust that we gained with management, we would not have taken on that path. So that's clearly an example of how developing a joint relationship, a partnership with management was beneficial for both parties. I actually have another example of a small rural standalone hospital that we owned. And it turned out we had about one third of their debt in our portfolios, which is a very significant holding for us. And given that this was a small standalone hospital and we own such a significant portion of their debt, I thought it was very important that I go out and meet with management. And, you know, this was another full day meeting. We met with management. We met with the board. An interesting thing that they did was they set us up to have a lunch with the chief of staff and several other members of the physician staff. So we really got to hear from the people, you know, day to day in the trenches, what they were seeing, what they were experiencing, and quite frankly, what they thought about management. We took a tour of the service area with the director of the local development board, and he explained to us which different businesses were going to be moving in and what the outlook was for the local economy. You know, and I came away from that day with a much fuller understanding of the hospital, its position in the community, its position in the local economy, you know, and things that I never would have been able to obtain from simply reading financial statements. And again, we gained comfort with that management team and that hospital and its position in its market that we were very comfortable owning a third of their debt. So these are just a couple of examples of why it's so important that we develop a rapport, a relationship, and a communication with management. That's excellent, Marcy. I know uh, from my own personal experience as a CFO, you cannot underestimate the value of a partnership between the institutional investors and the hospitals. I really liked the story you told about how in depth you got to hear the hospital story well beyond the idea of looking at just uh, financial statements and data. I think that's really uh, very helpful and, and really important in today's world as we're going forward because so many things become unpredictable out there in the marketplace. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Marcy, at heart, you're really an analyst. So would you, as an individual represents investors and oversees billions of dollars of investments, please go a little deeper into the topic of the two or three basic and most important expectations in communications and contact phone calls with a hospital that might be approaching or in the middle of a financial crisis? Sure. We find it particularly important to be kept in the information loop when things are not going well. That's far more important than when things are going well. You know, we certainly understand that the sector is going to face pressures. It, it always has. When I started at T. Rowe Price in 98, we were just at the beginnings of the Balanced Budget Act of 97, which slashed Medicare payments to hospitals. It was disastrous for the sector. 
We've been through the implementation of the Affordable Care Act. We've been through some very problematic IT conversions. You know, we've seen a lot and we understand that hospitals will be challenged. And what's important to us is that you keep the lines of communication open while you are going through these challenges. I think the worst thing for the investment community is when there's radio silence from management and, you know, we see numbers published that don't look particularly good. We're not getting any information as to what's going on. And the market panics and bond spreads can widen out significantly, which has a negative impact on our portfolios. You know, we're all sophisticated investors. We can handle bad news. We'd rather hear the story than be kept in a vacuum and have to guess. Some of the things that we really think are, are important, our expectations for information flow is, you know, tell us what challenges you're facing. Tell us what the financial impacts are. Tell us what steps you're taking to address these challenges. Tell us your expectations for recovery. And then provide us with status updates as you're working through these issues. And, you know, we're far more likely to feel comfortable and to give you some leeway if you tell us what's going on. And, you know, again, if, if we have no information whatsoever, the market assumes the worst. If you give us information, we can digest it, we can understand it, we can work with it, and we'd like to keep that communication open. Again, as I said, we're your partners. Tell us what's going on. All we want to know is, you know, what's happening and what you're doing about it. And I think those are reasonable things to ask for. That's great, Marcy. Thank you. I know in my personal experience, uh, having direct relationships and open communications with with the investors only paid dividends for me and my experience as well, just like the examples that you gave earlier. Marcy, along those same lines that you were uh, just talking about, could you maybe give our listeners some specifics of the most basic information and data requirements that you'd like to see, as well as the frequency in which they should be provided to the investor community? Sure. So as analysts, we love data, but there really needs to be a balance between what's insufficient disclosure, and what's too much information. You know, we want to be able to effectively evaluate a credit while also being cognizant of management's time and resources. And we've seen the quantity and quality of disclosure really varies widely across the sector. We've seen some annual and quarterly reports that are just simply two pages, a balance sheet and an income statement. We've seen some that can be 80 pages or more where every quarter the hospital reproduces the entire Appendix A from the official statement. We have one hospital that provides full financial statements with footnotes every quarter on each of its subsidiaries, even the ones that are small enough to be immaterial. So you really have to strike a balance. And what we've seen has become sort of best practices in the sector are to provide quarterly financial statements for all four quarters, generally within 45 days of the fiscal year end, audits and annual information within 120 days of the fiscal year end. We want reports to include, you know, basic financial statements, a balance sheet, an income statement, and a statement of cash flows, some basic utilization data, and payer mix data. For systems as opposed to standalones, it's very helpful to see consolidating schedules that include the major business units. And probably the most important thing to go along with the numbers is some MDNA. You know, if any numbers deviate from what we've seen in prior periods 
or from what we've been given as projections or expectations, that's obviously going to lead to a question, why? And if you can sort of anticipate our questions, it'll preclude you having to answer the phone 10 different times, answering the exact same question from 10 different investors, you know, and it'll give us the information we need. So if something differs from what we expect it to be, whether it's in a positive or a negative direction, just, again, explain to us what's going on. You know, it's not enough to just say, well, revenues increased by X percent and expenses increased by Y percent, but tell us why. And, you know, again, we just want information. We just want to make sure that we understand the story. Along those lines, regular conference calls can be helpful. We have some hospitals that have either annual, semi-annual, or quarterly calls. And, you know, that's a great opportunity for you to give more information, a little more color to the story beyond what's just seen in the numbers. And particularly for hospitals undergoing some sort of transition or stress period or facing challenges, again, if you have regular information updates, keep us in the loop, keep us apprised of your progress, you know, we're going to be very satisfied. Marcy, that's terrific. Could you comment just a little bit more following up on that topic? Would you see the information that you need and would like to see from the hospitals as generally different or generally the same as what might be expected by the rating agencies? I would say generally the same as the rating agencies. The one major difference that I have found is that the rating agencies often get budgets and projections that are not provided to the investors. And, you know, this can be a little disconcerting because, you know, the investor community may have collectively given a hospital or hospital system, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. We should be entitled to the same information as an entity that doesn't really have any skin in the game. So it is a little bit disconcerting sometimes to have to read about projections in a rating agency report when those were not provided to the investing public. So I would recommend that anything that is disclosed to one party be disclosed through Emma or some other manner that it gets out into the public realm. Terrific. Thank you for that. Marcy, based on your personal and historical experience in working with the hospitals in financial crisis, What kind of things can you offer or suggest? You mean you've done a number of them already, but maybe perhaps some other things that suggest to help the hospital and that can assist them in getting through difficult issues that they face to end with a win-win outcome, particularly if they've had an adverse event of some type and uh, the timing of maybe when that should be disclosed to the investors and the plan for working that out. Yes, Doug. So having worked for many years with such a vast range of healthcare credits, everything from small single-site hospitals to the large multi-state systems, all along the rating spectrum from the large AA credits to below investment grade or non-rated, we've probably seen hospitals going through the same or very similar situations that a hospital is experiencing now. You know, we can offer suggestions based on what we've seen others go through. One example is there was a six-hospital small regional system several years ago that we had in our portfolios that was really operating in some very challenging markets with weak payer mix, uh, intense competition, and they were struggling a bit. They had seen some operating losses. They had some challenges with liquidity. 
And, and it appeared that they would not be able to make their rate covenant and would need to call in a consultant. And we actually met with management prior to the rate covenant violation. And we recommended to them a consultant that we had seen have great success with another similar system that had been operating in a very similar market and facing the same challenges. And they brought in this consultant before they even violated the rate covenant. So it was a very smooth process. And this consulting company was able to achieve some pretty significant results and, and a good turnaround for the system. You know, I have another example of a hospital where it's a small hospital and they do have sort of a lock on their local market, but they're surrounded by some very large systems. And, you know, we're kind of questioning what is their long-term viability. And we talked to them about potentially engaging in conversations with these other larger systems about pursuing some sort of affiliation, if not even an outright full asset merger but that might behoove them to develop some relationship with one or more of these larger systems that have been encroaching on the area. And again, they took our suggestions. Nothing at this point has been formally approved or, or done, but they're engaging in those conversations that we see as something positive for them. So again, just through our experience with other hospitals, we might be able to offer some recommendations for what we've seen other hospitals go through that might apply to the current hospital that we're looking at. Very valuable and very helpful to folks that are listening to this conversation because, yes, I have such a wide range and depth and breadth of experiences that you can bring to the forefront of these particular hospitals. So, Marcy, I'd like to change gears just a little bit and ask you if you would please describe your expectations regarding covenants and potential security interests when working with a hospital through a financial crisis. One of my portfolio managers is known for saying security and covenants don't count until they do. And financial covenants can't make a weak hospital strong, but it can certainly protect us when a hospital encounters severe stress. And I have one example that we call our successful failure. It was not wood, my one and only bankruptcy in, in my history. But this is an example of where covenants and security really mattered. We had a mortgage on an attractive new building in a very desirable service area. We had a clean pledge of all of their accounts receivable. And this hospital, when they filed for bankruptcy and needed to get debtor in possession financing, they needed us to release the lien on our AR so that they could get a bank in to give them the dip financing. And what we did was in exchange for releasing our lien on the AR, they gave us a mortgage on another small property that they own. And the sanctity of our security was so important because in this example, we were able to recover, it was about 72, 73 cents on the dollar in only about a year after their filing bankruptcy, which is an almost unheard of recovery. And it's all to the quality of our security. And the way this was a win-win for the hospital, as well as for the investors, was that because it was such a desirable property in such a desirable service area, we were able to work with them and lead discussions with potential acquirers, and they wound up being acquired out of bankruptcy and operating now as a subsidiary of this larger health system so that the hospital was able to stay open 
They were able to continue providing the necessary services for their community, and the bondholders made out reasonably well. What's interesting about that comment is that you seem to be open and flexible to alternative ways of getting this accomplished. But also, by being able to do that and working with the hospital, they were able to bridge the problem to the point where eventually they got into an affiliation or an emerge situation with a larger system to support them. So it sounds to me like that was, in fact, a win-win situation, and you helped them get through the financial crisis and to the point where they could do something on a bigger scale. Is that your read as well, Marcy? Yeah, absolutely. And to reiterate my original point is, you know, we and the hospitals in which we invest, our goals are really aligned. We want you to do well, again, for the benefit of our investors, and you want to do well to continue providing a service to your community. We didn't want to see that hospital close. We wanted to see them continue to thrive. Yet, of course, we also wanted to realize the maximum recovery that we could for our investors. Moving on a, a little bit more into, again, to another question I'd like to ask you about uh, security and covenant requirements. So, so would you please comment on the following, including how you might approach the necessary security and covenant requirements for a hospital that might have different credit ratings? One would be a failure to make MADS coverage. Two might be parity status of public bonds and your expectations there. And three, the substitution of indenture provision? Sure. So security and covenants really do vary across the rating spectrum. And I'd say for the large established, long-tenured AA systems, we really get very little in terms of covenants and very little, if anything, in terms of security. You know, and the market accepts that because to these institutions, the sanctity of their AA rating is paramount. And we understand that management will generally do everything to protect that rating. We know that they're not going to engage in any business strategies that would be detrimental, and we take what we can get. But what we're really looking at, and where most of our investments are in the single A, triple B range, where things really vary significantly. And, you know, at a bare minimum, we would like to see a gross revenue pledge. We would like to see that gross revenue includes accounts receivable and that there's a limited ability for them to give senior liens on those accounts receivable to other investors. For lower rated credits, we would like a mortgage on the main hospital facility. For lower rated credits, we would like to see a liquidity covenant that is some measure of days cash on hand and a reasonably conservative definition of cash. We've seen some where hospitals can borrow on bank lines to meet their liquidity covenant. You know, we don't see that as real cash because that needs to be repaid. You know, in terms of a rate covenant violation, generally a rate covenant is 1.1 times max annual debt service, which is really a fairly low coverage level. But that seems to be the standard in the industry. And, and we would absolutely want to see that at some point below that, there's an event of default triggered so that we have remedies. Usually it's coverage below 1.0 times or below 1.0 for two years as an event of default. And, you know, we think that's reasonable. You know, in terms of, of public bonds versus private bonds, you know, an issue has been with banks getting more and more involved in direct lending over the last several years. We see situations where the banks have 
more stringent covenants than the public bondholders. And again, we just want to be treated fairly. And in many cases, the public bondholders are investing significantly more than the local bank, yet the local bank has better financial covenants than we have. So we think it would only be fair for all investors to be protected by the same financial covenants. You mentioned substitution of the indenture, which I and, and most of my, if not all of my counterparts on the buy side find extremely problematic. You know, and this is a provision where, say, in the official statement, I've got 200 pages of document summaries. Again, very detailed information about the provisions of the master trust indenture, the bond indenture, the loan agreement. You know, and then we get to a paragraph that says, basically, we can replace these documents with anything we want at any time. And that, to me, says, I really have to look at this bond as being unsecured with no covenants that can become structurally subordinated to anybody else at any time. And, you know, I find that almost equivalent to if I borrowed from a bank, you know, if I took out a mortgage on my home, and I said to them, oh, by the way, the day after you write me the check, I'm revoking the lien on my house and you're unsecured. It just doesn't make good sense. And I understand why hospitals want to do this. They want flexibility. You know, certainly with M&A and everything that's going on, they want flexibility to undertake, you know, business decisions, strategic decisions. And we don't want to tie their hands, but we want to make sure that we don't become impaired versus other investors. So I think that the blanket ability of them to revoke our security at will is, is, you know, again, problematic. Thanks, Marcy. Appreciate that insight into those uh, more technical aspects of, of the process. It sounds to me from all of your earlier comments as well that you're a major advocate of the direct relationship and communication between the bond holders, investors in this case, and the hospitals. And so I was wondering how important you think it is to have a well-thought-out story about the hospital strategy and financial strategy for particularly focused on resolving their either pending or actual financial crisis in terms of being able to move to a win-win result. Yes, I think really all of the things that we've discussed today, you know, lead to that, that just that sense that knowing their story is essential to us. The more we understand your individual situation, what factors you can and cannot control, what you're doing to face your challenges, the more comfortable we become as investors and the more willing we are to be your long term partners. You know, I can look at several hospitals that have the same credit ratings. But I can differentiate them based on what I know about management, what is their ability to articulate their strategies, and what has been their ability to execute on those financial and strategic strategies. You know, and to reiterate, we know hospitals will face challenges, whether they're relatively small or relatively major. And certainly nothing has been as major or unprecedented as a pandemic. But the key factor for us is how you face those challenges and how you communicate with us about what you're doing. Again, that is key. We want to hear your story. We want to hear your strategy. We just want information. We want to know what's going on. Terrific. Thanks, Marcy. And so as we start to bring this session to a close for our listeners, could you do something for us, which would be to share maybe two or three things that you would suggest that everyone listening today does 
to ensure successful navigation during a financial crisis, and particularly in regard to the current pandemic, which you just touched on? I have to say that I've been very impressed overall by the level of disclosure related to the pandemic. And again, all my comments today have been leading to the same thing. Disclosure, disclosure, disclosure. Tell us what's going on. We've seen some very detailed information with, you know, month by month patient volumes, what the revenue impact has been from the pandemic, what hospitals are doing to the extent they can reduce expenses to kind of meet the revenue shortfalls. You know, it all boils down to tell us what you're doing. What are you facing in your market? What are you facing at your facilities? What are your key issues? How do you expect to address them? And, you know, it, through the pandemic, just as through any other challenges, keep us in the loop, tell us what's going on, keep us as part of the conversation, then we're going to be, again, long-term investors. If you keep us in the loop, keep a good relationship with us, when you come back to the market, we're going to remember that. And we are far more likely, all other things being equal, to participate in bond issues where we've had a really good experience with management as opposed to where we haven't. That's a perfect response, Marcy. Thank you. And thank you for addressing all my questions. I'm certain that our listeners will greatly benefit from your insights, thoughts, and suggestions. Hopefully, they can take a few things back to their home hospital or system and use them in, uh, to everyone's advantage when trying to manage debt in a crisis. To our listeners who want to learn more from Marcy or how she might help your situation, I encourage you to reach out and get in contact with either of us. Our contact detail is listed within the presentation. This concludes our session today with our guest, Marcy Lash from T. Rowe Price. Thank you for joining both the live webinar and this special masterclass as part of Warbird's educational series for hospitals and hospital systems. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversations with the Marketplace. If you have any questions about this topic, suggestions for a future podcast, or questions in general, please email us at jbain at warbirdcp.com. That's J-B-E-H-N at W-A-R-B-I-R-D-C-P dot com. Our goal is to provide content that is meaningful and represents your needs. Please visit our website at www.warbirdconsulting.com, where you can contact us directly, receive industry updates, and gain access to on-demand webinars. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen, and leave us a five-star review. We hope this podcast provided new perspectives and most importantly, prompts you to take action. We want Conversations with the Marketplace to be your go-to healthcare financial management podcast. Please come back soon and join us for another episode in our educational series for hospitals and hospital systems. Until then, stay well, be entrepreneurial, and take action.